From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host Ben Raskin, and uh, we're doing a, a twofer. It's going to be me and Kevin Winter Morris. How are you doing, Kev? Good, Benny. How are you? Doing well. Uh, before we get started with the podcast, uh, just do us a big favor: jump to iTunes, subscribe, review, and rate the show. Uh, give us that nice five star rating, and then kill us in the comment section. Subscribe, and then you'll be able to catch up with all the activities that are happening here, both at the Tribune and as well as throughout the state of Utah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, so a little sad news before we get started here. We're going to do a little obituary. Uh, uh, Jerry Tarkanian, uh, yeah. he passed away earlier today. Yeah, the, the, um, it, it kind of seemed like maybe it was coming over the last couple of days. There were a couple of stories about him yeah. where it sounded like things weren't so hot. But, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was a fun coach to watch. What a f- uh, he just he was fun to watch on the sideline with the towel and he'd start biting the towel and it was he was he was just a fun guy to watch. It was kind of, it was really fun being in high school in Las Vegas during the UNLV run when they uh, was it 1990 when they won the championship and then 91 I think they lost to Duke uh, so they weren't able to repeat but you know it's like you'd be uh, I finally had a car so you'd be driving around and all the pop stations would be playing songs like Walk Like a Tarkanian nice. you know and. Uh, you know, it was an era down in Las Vegas where she really doesn't have a professional sports team. And, you know, right. history probably has not been kind to both those teams about not being professional uh, with everything, allegedly and stuff. Right. But, you know, with the, the towel in his mouth and, you know, kind of like with Stacey Ogman and, uh, what was it, Larry Johnson and mm-hmm. uh, God, who are the other guys on that, that 90s team? Are you looking it up? Uh, the the team that won the title in ninety yeah team that won the title in ninety they had they had some uh, they had some pretty solid players there I I remember Larry Johnson um, yeah you're gonna have to help me out on that one but um, I remember with Larry Johnson is that it, they had a pep rally at the high school that I went to and uh, he comes out there as before the uh, Bonanza Bengals were going to start their basketball season. And uh, he, is he... Greg Anthony. Greg Anthony was on the team. Elmore Spencer. Uh-huh. Uh, George Eccles. I don't remember him. Uh, he went in the second round in 1991 to the Miami Heat. Greg Anthony was on that team. Yeah. Ogman, you mentioned. Stacey Ogman. Uh, of course, Larry Johnson. Number one overall pick in 91 to the Hornets. Yeah. Yeah, but I just remember him getting in the middle of the, uh, the, 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 the the basketball arena at the high school, and he just holds up two fingers in the air like he was like the devil horns like at an ACDC <laughs> show. And he goes, I only got one thing to say, rape height. <laughs> and, I, and I remember sitting with a friend of mine going, like, what did he say? And he goes, and he goes redeet? And I was like, I think it took us forever to figure out it was repeat. But, uh <laughs> No, it was, uh, it was. I remember it was the first time also when he saw what I thought was a legacy coach at UNLV uh, when he went to San Jose State that mm-hmm. I, I, saw, I thought of that as like him almost turning his back on the city because uh, even though his wife, Fran, stayed around, she was a school district, uh, I think she was commissioner of schools in Clark County for a while. Hmm. And uh, so it was, uh, it's, it's anyway, it's, heavens is swirling with Coach Tarkanian up there biting a towel, and, uh... Well, he's the second legendary coach to, to die in the last week. Yeah, we had Dean uh, Smith Dean passed. Smith, right, yeah. yeah. Um, which, um... It was, kind of, it was kind of interesting to read some of the stuff, um, about uh, Michael Jordan and kind of his remembrances of Dean Smith having played for him. Um, yeah, that... It, he, he was one, I kind of... I mean, I remember him coaching, but he, he didn't have, like, you know, the, the towel like yeah. Tark did, where, you know, uh, Dean Smith was more just, oh, my goodness, that that guy's won a lot of ball games. Uh, he looked know, like 879. A, he looked like a CEO. Yeah, you know? he did. He, and he, he had did. a business-like manner to it. I bet that probably gelled really well with Michael. Yeah, and, and when he'd smile, he had a pretty cool smile, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, to, to see that was, was cool. He's... He's one who, I mean, he just did incredible things. He was an incredible coach. No, it's, I always, um, I, I, my connection with Dean Smith with the Tobacco Road is not nearly as much, you know, uh, yeah. because I didn't really kind of come into my own until I went to college and started following uh, basketball then. But with, you know, Shark to Tark, uh, Tark to Shark, you know, it's like, I remember very specifically in Las Vegas during those eras, it's like that team ran that town. Oh, yeah. And it, You'd hear stories of them hitting up the different casinos. You'd hear them going to clubs. You'd hear you just 
they, I mean, they, it, it felt less like a, I, more like a professional team yeah. than a college team. You know, obviously they, you know, they didn't have the, the payroll that went with it, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, what else we got on tap here? Well, it, 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 it kind of <laughs> seems like it's a whole lot of bad news. Before we were talking about the uh, Jackie Robinson West Little League team, uh-huh. the, that team out of Chicago uh, today, the the Little League uh, International stripped them of their U.S. title um, for using for using players who lived outside of their boundaries. And you know, I over the summer it was a cool story. Uh, over last summer, it was a cool story to to watch them. But this isn't a story that's new that they were using kids that they weren't supposed to. It it was it was pretty well documented for a while now that those kids weren't living within those boundaries. So, but how big were those boundaries, though? I mean, they it, it's to... very clear as to the boundaries. But they there there was a story out of a news outlet in Chicago um, that like they were it, it was pretty shady. Some of the stuff that they were trying mm-hmm. to claim, like, well, there's property there that I own, so. Kind of, but they're not ta- there. Yeah, but they're not talking about like a, a 23 year old kid from Venezuela pretending to be in right. fifth grade. You know, right. it's like it, it seems in the vicinity of this. Like, uh, is this just is this diff- is this different than stealing signs from second base? Or, oh yeah, no, this or, is this, this is, is a lot more nefarious. And you should be the most upset because the team that was robbed uh, in well, the, the US Las Vegas was the Las Vegas the team, squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, although. I, and I, I do, I feel horrible for those kids because they, they were, they're the ones who lost something in this. Uh-huh. I don't feel bad for the kids from Chicago, really. I really don't because they got to experience what it was like to be at the World Series. They got to be on television. They got, they Go got the all the praise and honor of, praise and glory of being yeah. in the Little League World Series and playing and the, the, the excitement of that. They got to experience all that, and then afterward, you're right. They went to the White House. They were they were Some, they were stars in the city. They yeah. were at the Cubs game. They threw out the first pitch. They sang the seventh inning stretch. They they were celebrities in Chicago. So now that they've taken that away from them, okay, you've taken away the physical title, but you can't take away those experiences. Yeah, yeah. Those kids will always have those experiences, and I think it's the Vegas kids who are like. Why didn't uh, WTF? Hey, why didn't we get to take hey, a tape break? Yeah. Michelle, invite <laughs> us. Like we were robbed here, and it, it's kind of it's it's interesting because we started with huh? uh, Tark the Shark and Dean Smith, um, and so I'm going to relate this back to to the NCAA. Like when they start taking away things, when they when they take away um, titles and they take away wins, you know, who cares? It, it's just a number. But, you know, for instance, if your school won the NCAA title and then the N- the NCAA later, 10 years later, comes back and says, you have to vacate that, who cares? Yeah. You know, because back in that moment, you got to celebrate. You got to say, my team is number one. You got to be out in the street yelling, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> you know, you you got that experience and that the excitement. And so when they take it away, it's not like all of a sudden you're like, it, it, oh, now I've completely forgotten about you know, that, that time when we won, whether it's a conference title or a national title, it doesn't matter. Like, you got to celebrate that, and and you got to be proud of your school. I and, and I don't know. It just, I, just, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a couple of rotten apples in this one that definitely played fast and loose with rosters. You yeah. Know? And, oh, yeah. You know, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like we're not talking about, like, a, a tennis, you know, individual performance out there. It still right. took 10 guys uh, on, and to to be able to go through. How many rounds do they even play? Oh, it's it's a tough it, process. It's a long series, oh, yeah. you know. But just to get, just to, to, the get to the series. Just to get to the series. You're in yeah. multiple games that you have to win. And also, you're playing some of the, some of the best players, not just in the United States, but... The, the Japanese players that come yeah. over, as well as the Mexican teams, right. you know, like really, well, it, the the it was uh, it really is a World from, Series, which is a right. comparison, to, which is why the Europeans always give us grief about our World Series, quote unquote, right? You know, but I don't know, I I feel I feel really bad for the kids in the sense that you can't take away the the memories and the experiences and stuff like that, but it just kind of puts a stain on that experience. It you know, does. and it's not like yeah. with ten years after the fact. Like I remember being twelve and thirteen. It's like you remember something that happened right. six months ago. Right, and and for them, it's going to be they'll always you know from now on they're going to be the cheaters. Yeah, and that it was decisions that were made. 
by parent, by adults, that led to that. But you know what? If you if you got to go to the Little League World Series and you got to be a celebrity for a good little bit there and you got to go to the White House, you got to meet the president. You got got to some dap at school. Absolutely. You know what? Maybe being called cheaters, uh, people will forget. Yeah. You know, they'll... They, could you name one of those kids right now? One Don't of those players? I can only name one player from that entire 2014 season, and that's Monet Davis. Right. You know, and she, she wasn't, wasn't, wasn't on even on Jackie the team. Robinson West. Yeah. And, and so, right. You She's can, the real celebrity of that 2014 season. Yes. Yeah. Her, her and the team. Yeah. You can't remember. You, so, those kids will always have those memories. And, may, and, and in Chicago, I'm sure that some of those names they'll remember. Um, but in 10 years... Uh, you still have those memories. Treasure those memories. Don't, don't get caught up in what the adults did. Now, you notice- now if I'm the Vegas kids, I'm t- like I said, I'm ticked. Yeah. I, I, I really, I was robbed of an experience that I should have had. It's not even. The, you know, and, uh, but in fairness, that goes farther back too, because every team that they eliminated along the way yeah. should have had. You know, the team that, for instance, the team in the regional to go to, just to make it to the World Series. And I think they you know, played a team from Pennsylvania. Well, each step along the way. Yeah, right? No, that's exactly. Yeah. You know, each team that they eliminated had, right now should be saying, man, what about us? We, we got robbed, too. We should have been. We should have had that opportunity. So as a fiduciary part of this, you mean, uh, can they sue these people? No. Nah. Or, or is this just, you know, you got you got the scarlet letter on your chest, and this is what you are, and uh, what, what are they going to get, like a sanction for... Couple of yeah, couple of years or something. Post-season. They're out of tournament play until they get a new administrator. This, the Associated Press story said this morning, and uh, you know what though, you still can't take that experience away. Yeah. You still can't take away what it was like to be on that field and to make it to the well, Little League World Series title. You, you know, and it's like I hate to say this, but a lot of the times when I've covered high school events, you know, sports, uh, ranging everything from soccer to basketball to swimming to whatever, it's like. Seems like the parents are the ones that almost uh, they have the worst yeah. perspective on this entire thing. Yeah, and, you know, I remember once covering a, a it was a softball game. I want to say it was Murray versus Taylorsville, and uh, there was a blown call at third base. And I remember as I was going to get quotes from the winning team, and I don't remember who won the game. Uh, so I was going to get quotes from there. One of the uh, parents from the other team came up and says, "Are you going to talk about how they missed that call at third? And it's and you know, I, I, I said, yo, we'll we'll definitely consider how we'll put it into the context of the story. I'm trying to be respectful of this person. Right, that right. you're trying to basically give them a stiff arm so you can get get your quotes and right. get on to writing your story. But, it, you know, it's like they were so adamant that like, the entire balance of the game was held up on that, you know, blown yeah. call, which is, you know, the Bill Buckner thing. You know, you, you got one more game to go anyway. Right. And two, it was one blown play. You know, I mean, yeah. it, there's other ways to do this. But yeah. I, I I think parents just, I think they're so invested in this, both emotionally and financially, that I think they make a lot of bad decisions. I do, too. I, I, one thing that has always stuck with me as a reporter, and it happened pretty early on in my career, I was covering a, um, a state softball tournament game. It wasn't at the state tournament. It was uh, like the district or regional. I forget what it was. Here in Salt Lake? Or no, it was back actually in Missouri. Wisconsin. Okay. Um, it, was, it was that far back, back in Wisconsin. And... Uh, a team had just lost on – it was a pretty tough play. Like, girl got thrown out at third, um, and the team lost by one. It was something like that. It was, it was, it was a pretty tough loss. And I remember I was kind of walking with the coach of the team that, that we covered, and we were going to go just sit down. And a parent kind of got, came up and got up in his face and was like, you're the worst coach ever. I can't believe it. These girls, you've let them down. I mean, they had just lost. Their season just ended. This guy's, this parent's getting up in this coach's face. I mean, the coach was just, he looked, he, he honestly looked like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't either. And uh, finally, it was another, someone else came over and was like, hey, you know, hey, buddy, come on. It's, you know, to the, to the parent. To the kind dad. of grabbed him by the shoulder. Right. Like, it was it's like, like enough's enough. Not time. Yeah. And, you know, but I, I mean, yeah, I think it, it's it's pretty easy sometimes to lose perspective um, with sports that you get so so emotionally invested in into it. But man, you're right, and well, what, it isn't always the athlete that is the problem. You know, it's like, and it's also I think a lot about with uh, I've been following the jazz season pretty pretty close this year, and 
What's been really frustrating is that, you know, they'll miss five, six free throws through the course of the game, and then at the end of the, when they, the, the final buzzer rings, uh, goes off, they lose by five or six points, you know, like they're yeah. always in the hunt. And it's sort of like, it's not the last crunch minute that made the difference in this game. It's the ability, it's the fact that they weren't able to get it done at the line in the first three quarters, you know, it's like, that's where the story, the conversation should be. It's like, yeah. get your fundamentals down. Get you know, make sure put yourself in the best position to win the game. So yeah. when it is down to a single shot, it's bound the you know your big dog that's going to go try and eat that out and stuff. And so I think a lot of times with pa- uh, parents, you know, because they're so emotionally invested, they right. do a bad job. Back to these uh, this Jackie Robinson uh, in Chicago though, it's like this seems. I don't know. It, it has. It really feels nefarious. You know, it's like yeah. it feels calculated and it. Kind of has like a lot of backroom dealings at Shakey's Pizzas all throughout yeah. Northern Illinois, where it's like <laughs> this is how we're going to get this done because we're weak. Uh, do you do we even know the players that were ineligible? Uh, there, it was a significant number of them. Okay, um, so most of the starting team. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say how many. Allegedly, uh, right? I, it was um, a number of them. Let's let's say just a number. I, uh, the last story I saw, it, it didn't detail how many. Um, today's story didn't. No. But what I've read is it was it was a pretty sizable number. Oh man. Yeah, and and it's been kind of known about since last year. You know, the end of last year, that uh, there was some stuff written about it. So. Well, okay, let's uh, let's role play this. You're uh, you're a father, and uh, you have a daughter starting to play hockey. It's like, at what lengths would you go to make sure her team would be the state champion of Utah in a hockey league? You know, like are you? Are you sabotaging the other team's bus? You know, are you, right. are you are you going? I mean, or I mean, do you just try and put your daughter in the best position that when she's on the ice, you know, she's been her fundamentals right. are strong and she can, you know, uh, put the puck in the net. I mean, the, you want you want to be able to say, I just want her to have fun. I just want her to have fun and get some exercise. But yeah, you also want her to be successful, absolutely. Mm. But I I don't think. Now, she's only seven, so I haven't really... And she can barely skate. So, you know, I, I, the the Olympic team isn't coming yeah. calling yet. Um, I would like to think that I, I would be rambunctious, the encouraging. I would, uh, but I would not be... I, I won't be the one who goes up to the coach and is like, look, man, my daughter isn't getting the playing time that she deserves. I, I, I just... What about yelling at refs if she got like uh, high sticks and it, it wasn't called? Or yeah, that, do you take it uh, to the refs? No, I try not to. I have to say try because back in college I was that guy. Yeah. Um, I was very vocal about that type of thing. So uh, just, but maybe I've gotten it all out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you know when when we had the lieutenant governor Spencer Cox on, he was saying he was the guy who painted his face and would go to games. That was me. Yeah. Um, and and was threatened once by a volleyball player from Ball State. Um, so yeah, I, well, no, I, I don't know. I think it's just it's. Uh, I always think of the lowest common denominator with a lot of these uh, referees is that these are guys that are working you know ten bucks a game. This is you know this is beer money for them, and they really are trying to do their best, not because they want to get it right, because they don't want to get yelled at. You yeah, know, and I, yeah, and you know they also want another chance to ref or ump another game, and so right. if they get enough complaints, you know, it doesn't work out too well. But at the end of the day, it's like it's an exceptionally difficult job. It's not like they yes. can actually take their a, a call and put it underneath the hood, right? You know, like they're right. not at that point yet in high school sports, right? I, and I, I really think I, I, I have nothing against the officials. I really don't. And we used to rip on. We would rip on one of the. It, it was a lot of men's volleyball. Loyola was actually good at it back in the day, back when I was there. So much better than the basketball team. And there was one guy we'd rip on. I think his name was Buttermaker. Um, I'm not positive of That's that. It's a great name. But uh, so we would paint our faces before a match in the in the in one of the bathrooms, and he often would come in, you know, to relieve himself before a game. Could not have been nicer to us. And we it was always very respectful. Uh-huh. He'd be like, oh, guys, it's good to see you out here again. Oh, you too, Mr. I really think it was Buttermaker. One of the one of the guys, like, knew him. And was like, oh, you too. He's like, oh, you guys going to give me a hard time tonight? Absolutely, sir. All right, well, hey, just keep it clean. You know, good to see you guys. It, it was always very cordial. Uh-huh. Um, I never, it, it's never, 
I don't think it should be personal. And the lower the lower the level that you get, the I mean, the less training that the guy has. Yeah. I mean, if it's in the if it's uh, you know an NBA ref, well, my goodness, that's the guy's livelihood. In the NFL, that isn't their livelihood, but they make pretty good money off that. Um, you know, when when you get to a youth hockey game, my goodness, it's some guy who you know probably is. You know, working at Quest Star, or, <laughs> you know, or a teacher or something like that. My goodness, give the guy a break. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of more moving forward on this one. I, I was uh, Super Bowl obviously happened last week, and I was kind of curious about your take about the more about that Butler interception at the end. Uh, the stories are coming out now. Is there's a couple of conspiracy theories, and I love conspiracy theories. So the, the first one was is that the reason why uh, Beast Mode Marshall. Uh, 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 Lynch, but what's his first Marshawn. name? Marshawn. Marshawn Lynch didn't get the ball is because they didn't want him to be the face of right. the MVP of well, arguably one of the best Super Bowls, if not the best Super Bowl we've seen. Easy, easy. Better, okay, well. Best Super Bowl, easy. What's better than this one? Oh my goodness, Rams-Titans was better, where the Rams receiver, or the Titans receiver was stopped on the, like, one-inch line. That was a good one. There was the Giants-Bills, wide right, Scott Norwood, mm-hmm. for the win. Um, that's two without even trying. I really like the Pittsburgh-Arizona game. I, I honestly don't remember that. Uh, Harrison had the 101-yard recept- uh, interception that took it to the house. That was cool. That, I don't know. for what and, uh, uh, Fitzpatrick came back and almost uh, put him over the top. I don't know. I, for what it was worth, but... But, but back to the Butler call, they said that, do you think it, they're that calculated in the heat of a moment with a Super Bowl title on there that there can be conspiracy theories at the last play call of the game? I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Now, no. that's a conspiracy, though. No, I don't. Um, I, I just don't. I, I think, I, I kind of, I read what uh, Pete Carroll kind of said about it, about that they... They were trying to kill a little bit of time. I just, I just think it was a bunch of bad decisions. I, I don't, you know, Pete Carroll took it on himself and said it was him and that he deserves all the well, blowback, which he has to. Because he has to fall on the sword because he he's the head coach. But because he'd be the genius if he was the one that that uh, if that uh, play went in. Yeah, and now see, people have pointed out to me that I thought that the end of the first half when they went for the touchdown instead of kicking it, was a bad decision. And I was told, I forget who it was, it was a buddy who was like, if you thought, if that one worked, and you're okay with that, then you have to be okay with the with the interception. I agree. And I said, well, I wasn't okay with it when it happened at the end of the first half, but it worked, and I'm still, but I'm not okay, I'm not yeah. okay with the, I, I, I would have run the ball. I, I And it wasn't, it wasn't even just the fact that it was. Um, it wasn't even just the fact that I didn't like the that don't pass it. it. It was that well, the time management. You want to give Brady as little time as possible, and it takes. You you wanted Lynch to get stopped on that second down run. You wanted to hand it off to him and him to be stopped at the one again. And then you run the clock, and then you call a timeout with, like, I don't know, 15 seconds or something. Or even run another play, and if he gets stopped on third down, then you call the timeout with, like, 15 seconds left, and then you throw the pass. Yeah. I just didn't like... I, so I don't buy it. I, I just think... I, I don't think it was that. I don't know what happened. I, I think it was just, a, just bad decisions. I think it's... I just like the idea is that... The Super Bowl itself, you know, uh, Patriot Nation, I'm not a fan of Boston. They do not have a nation. Okay. They are not allowed to have a nation. Yeah, but, you know, for what it's worth, though, it's like with the the success of the Red Sox, just walking around Salt Lake City, there's way too many uh, Red Sox caps in Salt Lake. Yeah. With very few people with a connection to Boston. You know, like... And it's also one of the easiest towns in America to have a fake uh, connection with because they have like 56 or 50, 60 yeah. colleges there. Right. You know, you could easily say, oh, like, well, of course I'm a Red Sox fan. I went to Northeastern. Like, you know, I spent four years there. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I went to Boston. Went, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a gazillion community colleges that you can fake some connection to that with. With the Seattle fans, though, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of them on account that it just screams fair weather, you know? And it's right. just. 
This, these were not to see. I did not see the Seattle connection here in Salt Lake City three years ago. You know. Yeah, it's like people like winners. They want to get on the winning board and stuff like that. And so when they're talking about Carroll, like is both his genius and the the fallacy of that last play call. What I don't what 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 gets me is that when people are saying like, oh well, you know, of, of course they didn't want Marshawn Lynch to be the the MVP, right. you know, right. because he won't talk to the media on this. It's like I don't buy into that one bit. Right. You know. I agree. I don't either. I I just don't. I I don't. I don't think that there's enough time. And if that's really what you're thinking about, you're in the wrong sport. You shouldn't be a football coach. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. I don't think so. Should be a football fan if this is what you're believing in. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I I just no. I don't buy it. I just no. So we were talking about this. I mean, we're uh, for the people listening at home as we're at minute twenty five. And hi, mom. How you doing? Good, good, good of you to listen to us again. <laughs> Welcome aboard to uh, the 39th episode with this, but. You know, when, when uh, kind of moving from the sports on this one, I, we were talking off mic, but I wanted to talk to you about this Brian Williams thing that came out. You yeah. Know, and uh, mostly because, you know, you're an editor here at the Salt Lake Tribune. And, you know, uh, the story comes out that he was in one of two Chinook helicopters, uh, told the story for the last almost 11 years that he took RPG fire and fire, and then, the, you know, they were able to crash land the, the helicopter and spent two days in the desert. Uh, it, was, it was in Iraq, wasn't it? And so while they're in Iraq... Middle East, yeah. Yeah, so he was in the Middle East. And then he goes on, and for the next 10 years, tells a story of him sort of participating, putting himself into the story of yeah. something, you know, that by all accounts is harrowing, you know. And it's like, right. obviously, I didn't serve, and, and I haven't been to Iraq, and I haven't been to the Middle East, and these, these hot stones. And so I do tip the cap for him getting out there to report what he thought he saw. But, I mean, how damaging and damning is him having to do a mea culpa on basically saying, I've been telling a fib for the last 10 years. Yeah, it's it, that there are some things you can get away with and almost are encouraged to embellish. You know, Benny, you and I are, have been known to uh, greatly increase the size of the, the uh, fish cutthroat <laughs> trout that we've, that we've caught over the years. Um, you don't mess with the military, man. It, it, you don't say you took fire when you didn't. And it, it's kind of, you know what it kind of reminds me of, and this might not even be fair, but um, Paul Ryan, when he talked about running a marathon, yeah. and you and I both have actually done it. We've done them. And I know what my time was. I, and I will never forget what my time I was. I know all four of my times, mostly because one was at the seven-hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't forget that. I'm guessing, having never been in a war zone, mm-hmm. if you take fire and your aircraft is hit... You don't forget that. Yeah. If it wasn't hit, you wouldn't ever say that. It, uh, you you can't cheapen people's experience like that. Yeah. My goodness, what was he thinking? Like, I don't buy. I don't buy his excuse at all. And I think that he's done. I I really do. I think he's. Do you done. think it's because he's getting on Dave Letterman? They were like, hey, hey, Brian, tell us a good story about what happened over there. You know, like as he's doing the pre-interview before he goes on on uh, before the cameras and stuff, and it's like, uh, hey, we, we it says that for two days you guys were trapped out in the desert, you know, fighting sandstorms and uh, having yeah. rebels come at you. He goes, how did you end up in that uh, situation? And then at that moment, he was like, I'm going to put a twenty on a five dollar story. I'm going to take a yeah. I'm going to take a twenty dollar bill. Make this a twenty dollars story when it's actually a five dollars story. Five dollars stories are still really good, you know. Yeah. It's like spending two days in the desert and fighting the storms and you know having right. rebels because no one is disputing the fact that he was shot at while they were on the ground, you know. But to, you know, that idea, it's like, oh well, of course we took the fire and and I think as it, it played out, no one was really hurt during this, so he wasn't like uh, I'm sorry, no one was killed during the incident. So in his mind's eye, he's going like. No one got killed. We were all, all in a crappy position to begin with, and you don't you know, mess with the military, though. Yeah. You, just, you don't take. The, you don't say that you did something. And he he wasn't even in the military. He was embedded. No, you can't. You can't do that. You can't take that one. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. Like I said, there are certain things you can embellish. Um, Which I've always said is like drinking girls and fighting. You know, it's like the guy was yeah. twice as big as me when I beat him up. I, I had, you know, 17 more cocktails than I did. Right. And, and that uh, seven, and that girl I was talking to, she was a 11 and a half, not, you know, at the out five. Out of five. Yep. Out of the five, yep. you know. It's yep. like you just wanted to beef it up a bit. I didn't like the decision with him being uh, suspended for six months without pay. This one, for me, was a real clear cut. It's either you terminate him immediately or you put him immediately back on the air. Yeah. There, there's, yeah. And then you stand by your guy and say, 
he made a mistake on this one. We're not going to have this is not happening again. I, I I think you make a good point there. I think um, it's really something I hadn't thought a lot about, but um, I I think you make a very compelling argument there. Of look, either he's your guy or he isn't, and it's not going to change in six months. So what's the crap they pull with a rod? Right. You know, yeah. Essentially, yeah. And, just, it's, yeah. and this is with him coming back to apologize to his team for his behavior. It's sort of like, you know what? Damage done. We've moved right. on. Right. And you're telling me NBC right. News in six months hasn't moved on without Brian Williams? Right. Like, what kind of... His, his participation level during this time is he's going to take his hard drive and use it to write a book. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think either he's out the door or you keep him and put him on tomorrow. I, I think you're right. I think you're right on that one. What would you have done if you were the director of news and one of your... And your uh, anchorman? I mean, do you... I don't do TV. <laughs> no, I... I um, I would, I, I, I would have fired him. Uh, I, yeah, that, that's. I would have I mean. handed him his hat. Yeah, I, I would have said thank you very much for your participation and your work for the last decade and stuff, but you're gone. Uh, but the, it does raise the question in, in, of, of, the role that he played, and in that situation, you, I, I think where you're, uh, where you're embedded, you're definitely a journalist. But in that chair, in the anchor chair. How much are you a journalist and how much are you almost an entertainer? I mean, it's people are, they want a strong personality there. And it, with the emphasis on personality, they want someone that people can relate to and that they're going to watch. Well, so how much, I, I, where's that line? Off there? the top of my head, I have an example on this one. And I, right. I, I think of Anderson Cooper. You know, yeah. I think Anderson Cooper is a very dynamic individual, but I don't think much of him as a reporter or as a even as a host of a show. You yeah. know, uh, I, the story that I always remember with him is that it was the worst segment of sixty minutes I've ever seen. Not because the story the story was uncomfortable because it was about genocide in Syria. It was about Anderson Cooper decided to swim a scuba dive with the crocodiles. Yeah. You know, and so you see him suited up and he's in the middle of this uh, the Amazon Serengeti, I don't remember exactly where he was, but you see him underwater literally swimming with crocodiles and then they intertwine the you know the, the B roll and the C roll of crocodiles coming up on the shoreline and then taking down a gazelle and then yeah. he's literally a foot and change away from him and right. apparently underneath the water the crocs don't know they can't recognize underneath the water what these things are so they're going to stay clear on the land it's like oh you're mine you know right. we're, I'm right. taking you down we're going in there and stuff and it's like how can he be a serious newsman when he's basically acting like Johnny Knoxville from Jackass? Yes. You know, it's like, yeah. so at the end of the day, what I do is when I see Anderson Cooper, I'm just going like, that is a guy that I want to have a beer with. That's a guy that I'd like to go on a cross-country road trip with. And that's a guy I want to hear, you know, quote, quote, uh, quote, unquote, war stories about. Like, right. what is, what's it like in the life of Anderson Cooper? But for him to stand, yeah. sit in front of the, to put into the evening chair, I'd be like, all right. I mean, I don't think you have the credibility to sit there. You know, and if you don't yeah. have that credibility, back to Brian Williams, you're gone. Yeah, you can't yeah. be there because I'm yeah. not going to believe you, yeah. even if you're just reporting it. So, in terms of an entertainer, I think it's just more that you got to trust to do it. Like people trusted Walter Cronkite, right? Dan Rather, right? Ted Koppel, yeah. You know. All right, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, so they should I'll fire him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they're going to either yeah. the, if they don't fire him, I. I don't think he'll ever be on the air again on NBC yeah. in that anchor chair. I just don't. That's my opinion. Oh man, I just it was, it, it's frustrating because you like you know the ones that you like you don't expect them to do this, right? You know. And, oh yeah. Uh, and you know it's sort of like with actors and musicians and so like if I we were to find out like Eddie Vedder was running a kitty porn line a website, I would just it would be the end of the world for me. You know, like you. Not, we in no way are saying that. No, it's not, <laughs> to, I, I, hypothetically. To Mr. Vetter's attorneys, <laughs> we in no way are insinuating that he has, but does, or in any way You pick these ever. guys in your life that you trust implicitly, yeah. you know, and then you want them to be the good guys. You know, it's like uh, Derek Fisher when he was with the Jazz. That guy walked on water. If you found out he was in a Ponzi scheme and he was basically alleged. <laughs> Again, Mr. Fisher's attorney. Mr. Fisher's attorney. attorneys, but. <laughs> You know, and it's, uh, how do you feel having a public trust with athletes? Is, is that important, or are they just responsible for what they do on the court? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and I think that that's one that, in having worked in, sport, in sports journalism and having covered athletes at every level, I think you start to see that there's a whole lot of flaws there and that you just focus on what happens on the court. 
Um, you know, Charles Barkley's the one who said, I, I don't want to be a role model. Um, and I think I think he made a pretty decent point. The problem is is that you still, like, you can say that, but you still kind of, you still are. Yeah. And you kind of have to be okay with that. Like, you know, I mean, you look at, like, Tiger Woods and what happened with him and the shenanigans with him and with his with his wife, like, you had no reason to expect that that was going to happen. That kind of came out of nowhere in my mind, you know, and, but you don't really know. I, I think I, uh, Chris Camrani, one of our regulars, he's, yeah. on, he's on assignment. On assignment. Um, he often says, you don't know these guys. You know, he's famous. For, you don't know. And he's right. You really don't. And, and even us where, and Benny, you've been in locker rooms before. Yeah. Even even after the competition, where you see a little different glimpse, where it isn't on camera necess- necessarily, you know, be like when just the interaction between teammates, and you're kind of a fly on the wall, you still don't really know those guys. Yeah. You still really don't. And so, but you can talk about it all you want, but it doesn't change anything. A kid growing up is still going to be looking up to you know Gordon Hayward, or is going to be looking up to Enos Canner or um, Rudy Gobert. They, they just are. You're just gonna look up to them, and that it's a risk that you take because if they get arrested or they <clears throat> attorneys for all three players, in no way have we yeah. are we insinuating that they are going to be arrested. It happens, and then you, as a parent or whoever, you know, you've got to deal with that and explain it to the kid that, yeah, I understand that they're your favorite player, but. I remember Brandon Bosch, uh, who is the uh, first baseman for the Bees, and uh, I'm sorry, was he first? No, wait, what's Bosch's position? Was he third? I can't remember, but covered a game where he had uh, he had a walk off single that won the game, and so we're in the locker room and we're trying to get our quotes before we write up the game around this and stuff. And he it said he gave decent quotes, but he also said this quote a thousand times. It's like I haven't eaten in 12 hours, so can we get this going? You know, and he was just, and it was just a guy who was like, I want to go get something to drink. I want to get something to eat. I want to take a shower. I want to take a nap. You know, it's like, I'm exhausted, boys. You're like, what do you, like, get the questions going. And I remember at that moment, it's like, he was sort of avoiding, he wasn't avoiding us maliciously or, or like Lynch did, but it was essentially, it's like, my head is not in this locker room right now with you. Right. And right. so when I, and thinking of that, thinking of what Lynch has done this year, is like, I really dread what it's going to be like being a prep reporter next year, not just here in Salt Lake City, but around the nation, with people looking what Lynch did with like, I'm not answering you a question. You know, it's like, guys, you know, because beast mode is, that's a bad to the bone kind of persona, you know? Yeah. And can you imagine if you're a running back and you mimic yourself on him, you know, as you all, we all look up to these athletes and stuff. And so a weird way, it's like, Lynch is... You're saying he doesn't want to be a role model. It's like, well, you know, I, I think he, I think there's going to be a lot of trickle down to the high school yeah. level where this thing gets started, and then we'll be looking at the next four years of just pulling teeth to get quotes. I I, I sure hope not, I, because I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I mean, what right, if? You know, right. it, it could very well happen. I think you and I have talked in the past about um, about interviewing high school kids, um, and. I there I think I think there's still something special about it. There's still a giddiness and excitement about that experience that you don't want to just be Marshawn Lynch and say, I'm just here because my coach told me. You know, I I think a kid wants to talk about what they've accomplished. Yeah. Um it's pretty rare not to. Some are better at it than others, but I I sure hope that doesn't happen because I think I think if a kid does that trying to be cool, um I think really the one that they're hurting it isn't us. We'll just go talk to someone else. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's really themselves that they're hurting, and the chance to to kind of celebrate what it is that they accomplished in a way that a lot of people are going to read about. I think I think if a kid does try to do that and tries to be play it cool like that, okay, I I won't I wouldn't talk to you again. You know, I if you pull that once, that's it. And uh, yeah, you're cool and funny to your teammates maybe once, but. That, that was your one chance, kid. You want to role play you interviewing me, and I'll do the, my best Marshawn Lynch. Uh, okay, sure. Okay, so you're the you'll play Kevin. The yeah, reporter. Cool. I'll be I'll be. Better. Am I cub reporter or a veteran? A uh, vet. Well, okay, and uh, staff writer. And, you, and what 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 is, am, what's your skill? I'm a uh, I'm a fullback oh. for a high school. Okay, in Salt Lake, I'm not going to pick one of these teams out, and uh, I happened to make uh, three key blocks that was able to put three consecutive touchdowns into the end zone. Oh, 
So you didn't even have the runs. I didn't have the runs. I just had okay. the blocks. Okay. All right. Let me know when you're ready. All right. Uh, let me. Uh, all right. Lion face. Oh, Lemon you, face. Oh, wait, Lion what's face. your name? Uh, well, let's go with Ben Raskin. Ben. Okay. okay. Ben, how you doing? Good. Uh, I'm Kevin from the Tribune. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, pretty good game today. What? Uh, what? What was kind of the play calls there on the go- on the goal line there? Yeah. Did. Uh, yeah. All right, well, it's nice meeting you. Have a good day. I mean, I'm cutting you off there. I mean, you, you pull that, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I, well, no, no, I got one more question. Go back to Ben. I'm only here because my coach told me to talk to you. Ben, what kind of sandwich did you have before the game? Peanut butter and jelly. Was it, it, who made it for you? Mom. Mom, you usually make your sandwiches before the game? Yeah. How many did you eat? One or two? Three. Come on, oh, yeah. They, <laughs> what did you have to drink? A little milk? Milk. Yeah. Two percent. Oh, is that is that the pregame meal? You always have the two percent and two for the game. Yeah. And and a sandwich. Yeah. All right. So next game, are you gonna have three sandwiches, or are you gonna maybe pump it up to four? You know, see if you can get four touchdowns. We'll talk to coach. Yeah. See that? And now, now see, I got a story. Now, now I write about your mom making you peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with two percent milk. Ah, oh, love peanut butter. Victory. Victory's ours. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, I'm glad you brought up Tiger Woods. So, I was talking about this guy. I was talking. Uh, I was at the was talking to this fellow, and uh, Tiger Woods was on <clears throat> the TV, and he had to pull out because of a lower back strain. And so, as I was, I was looking at Tiger on TV, and let's be frank, the guy's still got the world by the ear. You know, it's like he's got. I don't know anymore. I mean, financially, this guy is not okay. hurt. He's yes. not hurting yes. for any biscuits. Like he True. gets more than a peanut butter and jelly and two percent milk yes. before every single tournament. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he owns property at a d- dozen locations. You know, he's got the American Express black card that buys, you know, a, a Lear jet if he ever wants it and stuff like that. But it was, uh, it was, it was, it was watching the TV. I kept thinking to myself as he was pulling out, I was going like, you know what? Whoever is his PR person, they should be hired for any and all uh, faulty organization to turn it around because for the first time in a long time, I'm sympathetic towards Tiger. It's like uh, there was a moment where I, when Tiger was the underdog when he first started coming up. Let me let me finish this thought. Okay. Let me finish All this right. thought. Let's see where you're going. You know, but when Tiger first got onto the tour and stuff like that, he was you know uh, our era. He was our young. He was our young guy. He was the the the, the this this swinging this this swinging madman. You know that yeah. was able to go out there and decimate records left, right, and center. And so he had this point where he got volleyed all the way to number one in the PGA rankings, and he stayed there for a very long time. Had a couple of uh, people that challenged him, Phil Mickelson, famously, that he was able to hold at bay. And then at somewhere along the way, his career just falls off the face of the earth. And it starts with the Thanksgiving cheating thing that breaks mm. and stuff like that. And his wife taking a, a nine iron to the back of his Escalade. And you know, the, all the scandals of him sleep, you know, um, do we say alleged here? Yeah, but it's still go with that. He's got some attorneys. He's got so Tiger has problems with the ladies, ex, extracurricular allegedly. activity, allegedly with the ladies and stuff like that. And so as I was watching on TV, I, I said to this fellow, "I go, golly, you know, it's like whoever is his PR guy is. I got to, I got to hire him for my own life because whatever it's worth, like I'm rooting for him again. <laughs> like I can't believe I'm rooting." And I said, "The only problem is, he, you know." And the guy looks at me and he says, "Straight faced," and he goes, "Yeah, but he cheated on his wife." And I was like, "Well." He, He's a celebrity, you know. They, these guys can cheat on their wives, and he goes, "No, no, you can't." And so, put you know, put, basically put a pin in the balloon of the conversation we're having there. But you know, it's it kind of back to bringing us, bringing us back to uh, on-field, off-field role models and right. stuff like that. It's like when Tiger was winning, no one was looking into this. No, you know, when Tiger yeah. started losing and he couldn't find the fairway off the tee box, that's when people started looking at him. And because yeah. he's a guy who was, he was uh, the Marshawn Lynch of golfers with interviews. Oh yeah, he's atrocious yeah. interview, you yes. know. And uh, even on sixty minutes, and then maybe they'll do a Sports Center feature where he'll open up a little bit. But for the most part, he's exceptionally private. Mm-hmm. You know, he's I think he's uh, afraid of every sand trap and water hazard, both verbally and as well as on the links. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Um, do you think there will be a, a day that will celebrate Tiger, or is he always going to be kind of a? a I don't know, not a pariah, but right. he's not quite a pariah. Like, all he really did was allegedly, you know, fool around on his wife. Right, yeah, I mean, you, like, Jack Nicholas is, is one of the, you know, Mount Rushmore's of the game. Yeah. Arnie Palmer, Mount Rushmore of the game. Player. Uh, yeah, Gary, Gary Player. Gary Player. You know, uh, Ben Hogan. Will Tiger Woods be mentioned in that, or will he kind of be, 
the Barry Bonds, the Roger Clemens, the Sammy Sosa baseball, you know, where, yeah, they were good. We don't really talk about those guys, you know? Uh, Which is a shame because we should be speaking every time there's a home run battle. It should Sosa, Bonds, McGuire. Right. We should, those are the one names that should be brought up there. Right. You know, let's be honest. Uh, you asked a casual baseball fan who Roger Maris was up before 1996. Five? 98 was the uh, home run chase. Was it 90? Okay. So yeah. When did uh, so? Well, they had the strike in 94. Four. I think that sounds right. 94 because 95 is when Atlanta Braves won. Mm-hmm. So you bump up. Anyway, but when you talk about no one knew who Roger Maris I didn't even know who Roger Maris was. I just remember his name as the home uh, single season home run champion. Yeah. You know, and the asterisk thing. I mean, like, that was for, you know, footnotes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think. To, to answer your question, will Tiger? I think Tiger Woods will. Um, that run that he had was just so remarkable. It was so remarkable. Um, now, his decline has been just as remarkable, how quickly it happened. Yeah. Um, but his run was, oh, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was, it, you had to watch it. I st- I'll be honest, though. If Tiger's in contention on a Sunday and I'm on the couch, I'm going to put on golf. Yeah. And if he isn't, I'm not, I usually don't. I, I want to see if Tiger can do it. There's no players there in the game right now that have as much appeal to me as Tiger Woods did on a Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm no the same one, way. No one draws my eye like he does in that red Nike uh, golf shirt. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I don't care. You you wanted to you wanted to watch him bury people. I mean, it didn't matter if he was up ten shots. I still wanted to see him. Yeah. make it. I wanted to see him make it thirteen. Um, you wanted him to execute. You know, and, and both execute on the uh, links and execute the other players. Yeah. You know, like just leave yeah. them, and leave bodies behind him. The weird thing is that I'm usually, with the exception of him and Michael Jordan, I, I, I there might be others, but I'm usually the guy who wants to see the top guy not not, uh-huh. not bury him. Like, um, like Wayne Gretzky, I was like, nah, whatever. I hope he doesn't score. Or, you know, even LeBron James and I'm, nah, whatever. Um, I'm kind of the the pessimist when it comes to them, but man, I wanted to see Tiger just bury it, and I wanted to, I wanted to see Jordan score 400 points in a game. Well, you know, it's like I think as a boxing fan watching Tyson in his heyday, it's like I never wanted the Buster Douglas bout. You know, I'm not that particular bout. I'm saying I never right. wanted the bout where uh, where Tyson yeah. was challenged. What I wanted to see was the hardest nine minutes and th- the third round knockouts and se- second round knockouts where. He just showed that he was the most dominant fighter, the, the, the greatest heavyweight since Ali, you know? And, right. And as it turns out, it's like you walk through the Buster fight, you see that he is flawed. And, you know, going into both the Hollyfield bouts, it's just like, it's like, it really was a coin toss at that point, you yeah. know? Because you didn't know who the baddest mofo on the planet was. And it's kind of sad that we don't have that baddest mofo in every single sport. Yeah. You know, like it used yeah. to be LeBron to a certain extent, but I mean, is it really LeBron this year? I. Th- I- I, I I think so. I I I still think, and I mean every sport has. I I think every sport does have a person like this where, when they when they want to, they can own it. And LeBron doesn't do it as often, but I still think he can. If LeBron wants to own that basketball court, he can. Um, I I, I just think that he has that ability now. Um, I, but I don't think he does it as much. Like. I mean, that was the thing about Tyson was you wanted to see him. You wanted to see the very best in the world prove that and leave no doubt at all. Yeah. You wanted him to bury a guy. You wanted him to knock a guy out in 10 seconds. And you go, God, that guy's good. Yeah. He's the best in the world and no one's even close. You wanted the title undisputed to yeah. be a part yes. of your championship title name. Yes. You know, where it's like you are the undisputed heavyweight title of the world. Right. You know, and also it adds value to the number one contender. At that yeah. point, it's like, oh, so we're looking at a pretty good fight here, you know. Right. And, and with t- back to the Tiger thing, it's like, you know, in terms of the PR, it's like I, he's becoming relevant again to me. It's like, yeah. I, and I, I cared because he got uh, yanked himself out of, was, was it Saturday of uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tory, yeah. It was at Tory Pines, I remember right. that. But it's like he couldn't have it. It's like, well, gosh, you know, so he's mortal. You know, he's right. got an Achilles heel. Right. And then when I see that, it's like, I don't want, I, I, I don't. You don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. And, right. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it drives me up a wall, and it, I, I feel bad for the guy, which I, you know, I shouldn't because I don't like infidelity. I don't like guys that are cheaters. Right. I don't like right. 
I don't like guys that play fast and loose with the rules, and I don't like to think they're above the law. And yet, for some reason, like I'm, I want Tiger to get one more major before he calls it quits. Yeah, see, it it, it goes back to, uh, it it, it kind of relates back to what we were talking about with the little league team. Like, I just want to see him dominate. I don't. I just want on field. Don't. I don't care about the off field yeah. stuff. I don't care if he's sleeping with someone else's wife. I don't care if he's. I don't care. I just want to see him dominate. Yeah. But, uh, then you feel guilty, and yeah, then you're like, God, Tiger, you kind of seem like a trashy dude. Like, which is also the other thing golf shouldn't have. Yeah, John Daly. The... John Daly was the one guy who was allowed to be trashy yes. on and off the, the links. You, ex- if he wasn't, you if were he, disappointed because that's a municipal golfer that's kicking people's butts out right. there with 365 yard drives and uh, 15 Miller lights before the turn. Yes, you know. Absolutely. That pack and yes. a half of Marlboros. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I play enough golf where you get to be, you know, even though you're not supposed to be smoking on a golf course, you can still smell it, smell the smoke wafing ahead of you yes. and stuff. It's like yes. these guys are drunk, you know, they're pounding brews, and that's that's what John Daly is. And I don't want to see, I don't want to know that Tiger Woods picks his nose, yeah. you know, and scratches yes. his butt. I want him right. to be just a champ. Right. I agree 100%. In most instances, except for the guys I don't like, you know. I mean, that's what, for me. I, I'm, I have no consistency at all. Well, I'm like Tiger Woods on a golf course right now. Boom. Well, I don't think we're gonna do any better than that. Uh, so, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Once again, go to iTunes, uh, subscribe, review, and rate the show. Five star rating and uh, kill us in the comment section. Uh, follow Kevin on Twitter at kwinmo and uh, follow me at Benny Raskin. Twitter's questions. Uh, next week we've got a, a proposition bet uh, pod uh, talking about Academy Awards and sports films. Oh, and, no. Yeah, we do. And we've got uh, two great guests that will come on here. We'll be tweeting that out before next week. We're recording this on the Tuesday. Uh, besides that, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.